Welcome back to the Andy Ramage podcast. Today's guest, Thomas Bell, will blow your mind. He went from struggling to thriving through the power of community. And it all began with an alcohol-free challenge that ignited a love of Spartan races, which has since resulted in Thomas creating his very own version of an endurance race to inspire connection, community, and joy. And don't forget, if you want to support the show, please download and subscribe as we have some incredible guests coming up that might just change your life. And make sure you go to andyramage.com where I have free, free, F-R-E-E, workshops for you. One if you want help going alcohol-free, another in the world of self-development, which is your vital next step. And then if you want to train with me to become a coach, it's all there, andyramage.com. All right, let's do this. Thomas, welcome. Hello there, nice to see you. Yeah, yeah, this is so cool. I, I was just reflecting, like we first met at the first ever Spartan, I believe, that we did with One You Know Beer, which was really quite early on in the whole evolution of One You Know Beer. It was certainly my first Spartan event. I don't think, I actually didn't do that Spartan. We had a big tent, if you remember. Yeah, I, know, I, watched... all sorts of, I think I remember some vague excuses or something I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. you were so physically fit that it was beneath you or something I don't know what it was yeah it was, it was too easy <laughs> what's the point, just, what's the point you know? and, and I'm just trying to think who else was there was Angash on that one uh, that was Angash, Angash's first Spartan was, so that's where and I met for the first time and became friends there so that was in around July 2019 in the Midlands uh, in the UK so yeah that was that was amazing to be there at the end with Anne and all of my lovely clothing that I put on, I remember she came and she was muddy yeah. and she was like, no, I don't want to dirty you. And I was just like, come on, let's do it. And I've still got mud on those jeans to this day. I can't get it off. But oh, it's, a, you. It's, it's a beautiful reminder of that moment, seeing someone achieve like a goal they felt was impossible. You know? Yeah. And, and, and Anne was sort of, I think, symbolic of that whole experience, really, like this impossible thing that so many people have around alcohol, for example, that how am I going to be able to give that up? It's, it's too big a ask. It's too difficult. And then to see Anne get around that course was, was just incredible. I look at what Anne's gone on to do now. It's unbelievable. I met her just recently. She came over to Ireland for have a little swim with me in the Happy Pair Lads. She's done Spartans for fun. She's take, I mean, it's pretty Yeah, incredible. I was hand in hand with her around Scottish Spartan last time I saw her, actually. We went and did this because I went and did the Scottish Ultra and I took her around. Uh, the next morning we did the sprint and stuff together and everything and it was so it's all and she's smiling the whole way you know it's, 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 she loves it it is she a beautiful it. thing to see but i tell you what we'll do let's go back a bit let's go back before that spartan and the whole sure. one you know beer alcohol free thing what led you to that point um i think in my life i was looking for change at that kind of time anyway so in february 2018 i had a son logan and i kind of prior to having him in that kind of nine months where you're panicking thinking you know should i be allowed to take a small child home from hospital <laughs> at any stage um i was kind of like i need to change my habits and i need to change who i am as an individual i'd kind of i wouldn't say i was ever necessarily an alcoholic specifically but certainly i was been drinking and smoking and this kind of stuff and i started life actually um, being scouted for the Youth Olympics as a swimmer, and I was a top-end kind of martial artist. My father was a martial artist, so from the age of four, I was doing martial arts, and from the age of six, I was competitively swimming. Wow. So when I left home at 18 and went to drama school, I, um, I kind of got kicked out after a year because I had mental health issues, and I kind of just dropped physical fitness at that point. 
Yeah. I'd kind of had it so intensively all my life. I just let myself go. And so I got into the world of work and the drinking spiraled five or six pints after work and all this kind of thing, the KFCs and stuff that you just clutch onto at that time and just not looking after yourself. And so I, I rode on that young man's body for a good 10 years or so. Um, and when I got to the point when I was having my son, I thought things need to change. And actually, I got a call from Rory and he said to me, have you heard of one, you know, beer? I'd like you to come and do some work with me. And so right. we started talking about going to do some work together. And he was like, well, if you're going to like come and work with us, then why don't, why don't you get stuck in and have a go? And I was like, all right, I can do this 28-day thing. And I went and do the 28-day <laughs> thing. And then he said, right, we're going to this Spartan event. It seems like even though you're just starting, you should just crack on and book an event. No messing about. So I booked the event. And the event was actually 10 days after my first day alcohol-free. So I got to do about kind of like three trail runs, about 5K each in the week before I went. And then I went and did the Spartan. I just did a Spartan sprint and it wrecked me. But I came, I was a hundredth of a second off qualifying for the obstacle course race world championships in that first event. And I thought I was past anything physical and athletic, but that was like a red rag to the ball. Six months later, I booked an event in in, uh, Poland which was a lot harder. It was on a ski resort. And uh, I qualified. I came eighth in the competition, qualified for the World Championships. And by the end of 2019, I was in the top 100 in the, in the world for, for my age group. So it's, uh, it, it really ramped up quite quick. That is pretty incredible. And I just want to go back a little bit because there's a couple of things you said that I'm really interested in. You mentioned your mental health. Sure. That that was <clears throat> at one point. And then you mentioned that you're an athlete for all those years and you trained and trained and trained and sort of gave that up. Is there an association you think one between your better mental health and moving your body and two, hundred percent did that manifest into maybe your drinking to deal with that? Yeah, I think, I think the drinking became habitual off the back of, you know, my, my primary job for a long time was consulting with companies like Hackett or Hugo Boss, these types of companies and teaching them how to sell more product to consumers based on the consumers caring about their brand like and what their values are and doing that kind of in and out 16 hours a day for a number of years just kind of beat me down and then the the drinking is kind of that thing that happens afterwards to wind you down so I've got bipolar disorder and PTSD and I have a high level of adrenaline generally anyway but my mind is rapidly racing consistently Mm. i can think about 20 brands and their routes to market and how they generate revenue and all the figures that go around that and the partners that go around that and i feel comfortable with that it's kind of you know it's not like uh, goodwill hunting on a chalkboard or anything like that but the easiest way to explain it is that like i've got this kind of map in my head of all, all the things i can do and I've been an entrepreneur now for 18 years. I run a number of businesses. I'm involved with a number of companies. And, and I find that there are kind of three things in my life, really, that keep me on, a, on an even keel when it comes to the mental health. Mm. The first is, is, is the career. It's like, what am I doing? Do I feel yeah. like there's value in what I'm doing? Am I giving value to other people? Am I changing lives? Am I doing something that would warrant being on my gravestone? Because I just cannot summer. I've given up hundreds of thousands of pounds and potential million pound commissions and things 
just on the basis of ethics that I wouldn't do something that I didn't feel added value to the world or was disingenuous to individuals. So career is massively important for me. <clears throat> my other thing is my family, having time with my family, with my wife, my son, et cetera. Um, and the other is my physical fitness is looking after my fitness and also my nutrition which is challenging for me i'm a skinny boy i've got high metabolism with all the anxiety and so i have to constantly consume calories and i don't like to do it so i'm kind of like one of these guys where if you could take a little matrix pill at the start of the day and you've got a job done i'm Good. first on the boat to test that stuff out so i've got fuel and i've got different supplements and things like that that i have to keep me going but that's, that's the kind of three pillars that keep me in check. And when I let go of the physical fitness and I stop doing it, I see a deterioration in my mood. Yeah. So when I lose one of those pillars for whatever reason, I'm struggling for money or the business isn't going well or something, I'm having a fight with my wife. This is when it starts to crumble and the other pillars become really important. Um, I was going, you know, a couple of months ago, I was without three pillars. And it was a really challenging, challenging time. And this was just before the Ukrainian conflict and stuff. And I was really kind of in a dark place. I, was, yeah. I didn't know what to do, what I wanted to do in life, kind of constantly question if you're a valuable asset to the world in a way. And so with the extremities of mental ill health, let's say, I wouldn't say I've got, they say bipolar disorder, I wouldn't say it's a disorder, right? We're all on a spectrum of anxiety. But I think when you're dealing with that, it's important to kind of lock up core areas of your yeah. life that can stabilize you in times of strife. And that's why Spartan really meant a lot to me when I came and did it that first time. I, it's good to be emasculated by other men. It's good to get your ass kicked in a race when you think you're the daddy in the office yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's humbling and it's important. And actually my eighth, ninth, 10th Spartan event was in Berlin, in Germany. It was on a military zone and it was all through sand and it was 21 kilometers. And I was about 18 kilometers in, I was in the middle of the wood. And there's a point when you're racing at the elite level or whatever in Spartan where you lose the guys that were in front of you and you lose the guys behind you when you're on your own. And that's probably where you're going to finish if you don't yeah. crank it up or drop. And I was just looking around and it was beautiful sun. And I thought, well, I'd love to just kind of lay down in this sun. I was knackered. And I thought to myself at that point, I could hear these kind of drums and this music faintly in the distance somewhere. And I just kind of took myself by the scruff of the neck and said, Thomas, do you know what? You're never going to pass the finish line if you get down and you relax. And no one's going to see you. I could chill out there and maybe have a nap before the next person gets, gets to me. But you're not serving yourself to stop now and the finish line isn't getting any closer if you sit down for the next 20 minutes. So I just carried on. And actually, I did it in two and a half hours, which is a proper, properly good elite time to, to do them in. Um, and I felt really strong about it afterwards. That carried me for a long time. This mentality of choosing your discomfort so that you might better navigate the issues you face day to day. That's yeah. what I live by now. It's so incredibly powerful and so true as well. Like you said, that you almost need those foundational elements in their place to put you in the best optimal position to deal with that fluctuating mental health, which again, ebbs and flows, as we know, depending on you know, what's happening in your life 
at those sure. particular moments. And what about alcohol in that equation? When you remove that, did that have a, a positive impact on, again, that overall sort of mental health, let's say? Yeah, so there were kind of two phases for me, really. So about before I um, stopped the alcohol stuff, about, let's say, eight or nine months before, I stopped eating um, pig and I stopped eating cow and I stopped doing any kind of dairy. So I went kind of part vegan. I was still having chicken and fish, but I was I kind of went as much plant based as I could. And I felt this surge in energy within like a couple of weeks when I got rid of all the rubbish out of my body. And then when I stopped the alcohol, it was the same again. And I remember being at the top of the mountain, like on the first, I think it was the first mountain run that I did before I came to that Spartan. And I ran up about two and a half, three kilometers to the top of this local mountain. And on the way down, I remember bounding down the mountain and it was like I'd never even run already. I was rapidly running down this mountain. I felt absolutely the strongest I've ever felt in my life. I felt invincible and I was screaming like a flipping Viking just running yeah. down this hill. And I was like, wow, man, if you can trap that feeling as, as often as possible day to day, let's have it. And now I spend my life not necessarily chasing the happiness because I think happiness is a choice, not a destination, but really focusing on what I can do to find a more sustainable level of happiness day to day, lock in those memories and those moments that I've had. Yeah. And I think being alcohol free is a massive factor. In that. And I think it's so important, isn't it? It's all these elements that actually combine together to set the, set the scene, set the stage for that. And again, going alcohol free, then reconnecting with movement and realizing the importance of that in your life. And I went through something very similar with movement. I would feel my mood start to shift. You know, I'd have been very fortunate. I haven't suffered in the ways that you have in terms of your mental health, but anxiety, the usual, which was brought on for me by alcohol. But what I also noticed on top of that, when alcohol had gone, was that there was a period where I didn't train for about two weeks and I just got really low in my mood and I couldn't figure it out. I was just a bit meh, a bit grumpy, couldn't be asked, all of the usual stuff. And then I went for a run because I recovered from my injury. And I remember something not dissimilar to what you're just describing there, this just elation, this sense of I'm meant to be doing this in nature outside. And it was like that fog just lifted, but it was such a, it was such a visceral experience I made that connection. It was a real yeah. like proper connection that I could feel between movement and my mental well-being. And then from that day forth, I've never let it slip for that reason, because I know it's it's something that for me and everyone's different, but it seems to be something that's that's foundational to a really vibrant, healthy mindset. Yeah. I mean, when I started running in Poland, you know, I would very often, you know, you go into the mountains and it's six o'clock in the morning or five o'clock or whatever, and you're only there with no no one does that over here <laughs> in my area it's me basically um so it's like my mountain really and so it's my training ground i go out there and you kind of when i started the deers would scatter and i got to that point where after six seven eight nine months of training where i was running out for these three hour runs four hour runs for fun and the deers wouldn't move so I got to that point where my level of energy was so present that actually the animals didn't flee me anymore, you know, and it was, it was a crazy wow. experience to go from being an invasion on their territory yeah. to being kind of present and 
I don't know, like in the right sphere of energy in that environment that they didn't feel they needed to leave, where I was part of that community that they felt comfortable with. And so yeah. for me, when I'm not working out and things like that, I'm like, well, I'm going to lose that. I think about losing the connection with the deers, you know, but losing that connection with the forest. And I want to go and get that back. So it is challenging when you take an injury. I've had an injury on my foot since July last year. And it's, it hurts a lot. <laughs> it's like quite regularly. And it's taken me a long time to get it back. And I did two hours last night on the road training this 15-year-old kid. And it was killing me today. Like, I could barely walk, you know? So it's just kind of like two steps forward, one step back sometimes. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things, an injury. And this is, I was going to ask that question. When you've got something like movement that's really important to your mental well-being and health, like I described, I got injured for those two weeks and I noticed the difference. It is about almost training yourself to be able to deal with those natural moments when things go wrong. I did some work just yesterday with real elite end footballers, the so championship players, premiership players. One of them have been injured for a decent period of time. It's going to miss the balance of the season. And the mood, and you could see it, is a completely different energy. You know, we've dealt with him many times before, yeah. but he's just completely down on himself. Very like, what's the point? Just completely, like, it's it's clouding his mindset in a big way, that one injury, because he can't do the thing that he loves. There's that frustration yeah. around it. So how do you combat that? I tr That's where I try and fall onto another pillar. So, for Brilliant. example, then I... You know, when I wasn't able to do it, I thought, you know, maybe I'm not going to be able to push myself. But initially, when I got into the throngs of Spartan, I wanted to move up the chain of command, not necessarily become an elite Spartan racer, but certainly wanted to be on the podium regularly. And over time, what I realized was I didn't like, it wasn't that I didn't like them, but I didn't enjoy as much the the sprints and the supers and things like that, as much as I did turning up, having someone shout at me and tell me what to do for 12 hours. And so actually the intensive turn up, whether you're trained or not, I remember when, uh, you know, I was doing drugs back in the day and I turned up to do um, like this 12 hour thing. And I had been smoking beforehand and you're kind of forced into this, situation of acute awareness immediately and it was kind of really eye-opening you know and that's the other battle outside alcohol that I had to deal with along the journey to mm. kind of get myself to the point of being clean get myself to the point of being focused but I really found that things like the Spartan hurricane heats and things where there were more intensive military type stuff that was the stuff that sort of pushed me to my limits but I felt strong doing it and so when I got injured, I started to think about executing my own events and this type of thing. And I've always felt that there could be room for doing something a bit different. You've always got guys against girls and things like that. But I've seen a few US TV programs and things with where people are trying different types of endurance events. And so I started to look into how I could kind of create an event which has a range of physical and cognitive exercises like puzzles and things like that. And also stuff that relies on dexterity like axe throwing or archery um, that would level the playing field between ladies and guys. So when I'm injured and I'm feeling bad and I'm feeling like I'm not working out enough, I throw myself into a project or some work or something where I find some passion and energy and it makes me makes my cup feel more full. A little bit right and then you can start to, the momentum from there 
Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, well, tell us more about that. Let's talk about that. So you're in the Spartans, you're doing these races, you've had this, you've, you've connected in many ways with something that you find meaningful and purposeful. And in this space of an injury or a setback, rather than let that overpower you, you've just thrown yourself into the action of, of creating this new potential idea. So to tell us all the details about that and how it came about. So it was really because I thought, you know, when you've got an injury, you can still do a certain amount of grunt work. Yeah. And, you know, I thought, how do we spread, you know, as, as I'm getting older and things like that, injury is going to pick up more often. The first couple of years of Spartan, I had no injuries and I was, you know, I was absolutely fine. And um, really my focus was, okay, how can we level the playing field by taking a little bit of endurance, a little bit of strength and conditioning, and then blending it with things like, like I said, like the axe throwing, the archery, mm -hmm. where the axe doesn't care if you're male or female. All it cares about is your poise, your focus, your energy, getting, getting it into the target. The same with archery. Cognitive things like puzzles and stuff like that takes it away from whether a guy can lift a heavier weight than a girl. You know, and so I wanted to kind of even the playing field and really see with a mix of different events how you could make something that was quite interesting. And so I developed this thing called the Nomadic Trials. And essentially, we're launching the first event in July, at the end of July, 30th and 31st of July in Poland um, on some land that I own. And we're going to have 80 competitors, 40 men, 40 women, 10 events. So six events on the first day, four events on the second day. And then at the end, we'll take the top five men and the top five women and we'll pit them against each other in this kind of epic endurance-based finale. But, you know, I've seen things like CrossFit and Decafit and Sparta and all these different types of events. And really, I think people are just searching for something that is a little bit different. Um, I understand that you go a certain distance, you get a medal and all these kind of things. But some of us also want to look at the things that make us tick. And I think that how you react on a cognitive level when you're tired and exhausted is a really interesting concept. And some of the Spartan races, certainly in Europe, less in the UK, you have you you come to a point where you are given a code. It's all on a board, and they say, "Go and find code 54." You have to memorize that code, and then you just keep running. And it might be five, ten, fifteen kilometers later, and then you'll randomly see a woman in the woods with a clipboard, and she'll say, "What's your code?" Wow. And that's and if you don't do it, you've got thirty burpees, right? So that is an obstacle. And a lot of people fail that, right? That's something that I'm very good at. I used to do plays. Like I'm good at looking at something, visualizing the pictures and everything, and then committing it to memory. I can't forget it afterwards. So after I've given my code, I'll remember it for the next three days, be chanting it to myself. But, um, but it's something I've always been good at. And I like the, I, my, my mum and her partner, when I was a kid, used to do puzzles with me, always buy us at Christmas, these like little metal puzzles, wooden yeah. puzzles, all sorts. I've always been fascinated with things like that. And I thought it would be cool to get people in like little voting booths and you go in, you've got 10 minutes, you've got to solve your puzzle within that 10 minutes to then go on and do a hundred burpees and then a kilometer sprint to finish or something, you know? So you've got to work for that opportunity to get your endurance where maybe you're stronger than other people. Uh, yeah, and also be able to manage your cognitive capacity to stay functional and that's really interesting because i did some stuff with ollie ollerton who yeah, yeah you'll know love it i did one of his days of, of training which was that classic sas style absolute beasting but then at the end of the beasting it was right you noticed the car earlier what was the reg and we're like 
Yeah, before we put that bag over your head. I've got no, I've got no idea. And it was like, right, you're down, you're, and we were getting beasted like that all the time. So it was like you had to be taking in all this extra information, even though you were incredibly, incredibly tired, because at mm. any point they were going to need to know something that was, you know, within your vicinity that maybe you should have picked up on that, I guess, in theory, in the art of war, you might have actually needed it to keep you alive. Yeah. And all of that stuff where you're so tired and you're like disorientated, you were just sort of filtering through, but then you knew you had to stay switched on. And actually, you're right, it added a completely different dimension to it because i thought i can just get through the beasting do you know what i mean i'm just getting my head down yeah. get through it but when you've got to try and remember stuff as well it's a new dynamic altogether i think it's i think it's a genius idea and i also love the idea of trying to level it out so that it's not who can lift the heaviest weight type of competition exactly and and what's interesting about females as well is that over a certain distance just straight up endurance running the field is leveled isn't it oh 100 um, so we'll have different aspects so i think we've we've got one one area, one of the events is effectively an unguided run where they're given the point on a side of a mountain that they can visually see from where I am. And then 60, 80 people have to go off and get to that point on the mountain and pick up a bib from the person at that point and then come back within a set time frame. And I know how long it takes me. So you've got maybe an hour longer than it takes me. And if you don't make it back, then you did not finish and you don't get your points, right? So it's, right. I'm going to be harsh, right? Yeah. You, you, we, this is like a closed event. So how it's working is we've got 40 men and 40 women, but if you want to get in, then you can go and purchase a ticket and then you have to send us a video of you doing 100 burpees in less than 10 minutes. If you can't achieve that goal, you can't enter and you'll be refunded your money. So it's really, we want people of a certain level where you're pushing your limits at this point. This is not a, a muck about. It's really like, let's see like how far people can go and how the playing field changes. You know, one of the guys who's coming is in these 50 to 60 kind of category in Poland and he wins everything. And he's one of the guys that's going to be coming and competing against people half his age, but he's just an absolute hero. And like, he just loves this kind of thing. People are searching for it. And I think that's, you know, I don't have the need to do something really big and brash. Yeah. I just want to have a lifestyle where I can enjoy my family, I can stay physically fit, and organically, if you're running some kind of event like this, and I train people also daily, so I have my personal clients who I coach mm. for competitions, um, which is another thing. If, you, if I'm building this kind of little architecture together, I don't have to have thousands and thousands of people at events. I don't have to be the next Spartan. That's not the aim. The aim is something that is community-driven, that is far more dynamic and is just basically built within my mind because then you can't necessarily compete with that. It's whatever crazy idea I come up with next. It's a Barclay Marathon one year and another year it's something else and then it's an SAS moment and then you've got camp in the woods in the snow. It could be anything. That's why I called it the, the nomadic trials. When I started doing Spartan, I was given the nickname the nomadic Spartan because I did Spartans all over Europe. And it kind of came from that. And I thought, actually, yeah, the nomadic trials can be taken anywhere quite nice and easily because nomads travel all over. So that enables you to then go, right, we're going to Czech, we're going yeah. to Slovakia, we're going to Romania, let's do this. And we're doing different kind of excursions. Yeah, so it's kind of, that's the fun stuff. And what's wonderful about this, it does build that community because people are crying out for this stuff. As you said, they want to test themselves physically and mentally. And there seems to be a real demand for this. And I think, the two years or three years that we've sort of been through, I think more than ever, 
people want to get out there and test themselves and connect again. And do you see a community building around this? Is that going to be an important part? 100%. I mean, the thing that I love about Spartan racing is I love the community and seeing the same guys over and again. I think when I first went, I was like, what's this Spartan thing all about? And they said, oh, you'll know at the finish line. I didn't really get it. And then when I got to the finish line, I was like, wow, I feel like I know myself a little bit more now. But over time, when you see the same people again and again, your level of respect and credibility grows because it's uncomfortable doing a Spartan race at any level. Mm. And so if you put yourself through it and through it and through it, and you see those faces, you kind of have a mutual respect for the fact that you know that person is willing to go the distance, even though if we were hanging after the last 50K yeah. event we did, we're going to go and do another ultra in a couple of weeks' time, bang it out, because we love it. And that, that tribe mentality is what I think is beautiful. So 100%, that's what I want with this. Living in Poland is challenging because I don't have the language and I'm a communicator and I've always had a big community around me, mm. different things. And I'm a guy that links people together. I've been like that at school. I was friends with the footballers, the goths, the punks, you name it. I'm kind of a chameleon in a way. And so for me, I just want this to be a place where people don't have to come and have a play with us for the next 10 years, but you can come and have a go, get stuck in, see where you stand, and then go off and do some other events and stuff. You know, it's not always, it's not, it's not necessarily all about big business for me. It's about having those people around me for the rest of my life and being inspired by what they can achieve as much as what I can achieve. Anne Gash is a primary example. Anne once said to me, you're so inspirational and you've really inspired me to do more of these Spartans and all this kind of thing. And I said, the thing is you inspire me in a completely different way. I don't feel that I'm inspirational because I'm a six foot three guy who's a swimmer and a martial artist and I'm pretty tough and I can go and do all this stuff anyway. So really, you know, I have to push myself against really top guys to feel like I've done a good job. Whereas actually, for some people, it is three hours to do that first 5K. And for me, that is inspiring because that takes a lot more willpower and a lot more strength of mind to put yourself through that um, when there's preconceived notions as to whether you're capable of doing these things or not. And so for me, that was why Anne and I became really close friends because there was just, she was respecting me for the stuff that I was doing, but equally I just thought it was amazing how much grit she had and how, how she kept turning up. Yeah, and that's you know? a really important part of this. Even though it's a community of people trying to achieve the same thing, everyone's individual race is totally different. And like you said, yeah. from your race versus Anne's race are just equally challenging in many ways, but they're very, very different. And I think that's the beauty of sport in general, the beauty of these type of challenges, that there's something in it for everyone. You know, there's, yeah. there's a new resilience in it. There's a, a, there's a connection, there's a community, there's a sense of achievement that maybe wasn't there before. And I just think it's a really beautiful thing that you're doing. And I'm excited for you around the community as well, because that's something that I crave. And I think, you know, we're creating that virtually and it's quite nice to start to see that come to life in the real world, in the physical world. I recently came back from the Happy Pair guys that are out in Greystones in Ireland, and they've built this real beautiful community. They've nurtured it and grown it. And it's a really special thing just to even be part of it for a day. And I can see how heartwarming that was. And when I come back to the UK, it's something that I'd love to recreate. So I can imagine myself in your shoes in Poland, not having the language or someone that is a brilliant communicator, by the way, it always has been, 
to create that community around something that energizes you and that gives back to others. I think that's pretty special. I'm pretty excited for you. So when exactly is it happening and how exactly? So at the moment, I can't find any uh, endurance events that would clash. I'm friends with all the people who run all the endurance events, so I don't want to upset anyone. So I was like, right, get a good weekend when nothing's on. So um, uh, we're going for the 30th and the 31st of July. Got it. Um, It'll be run by myself and Dashi, who is uh, another top-end sort of Spartan racer. She runs... uh, she manages all the uh, Spartan Extreme Endurance online and all this kind of thing as well. She does the Agogis and things. So we'll run it together. And, um, yeah, the entries are going to be online soon. So it'll just be nomadictrials.com or on Facebook or Instagram. It's at nomadictrials, um, and you'll find all the details on there. We've got a little group on uh, Facebook which tells you about how to get entry and this kind of thing. Um and yeah, it should be quite a straightforward process, but you've got to be able to do 100 burpees in 10 minutes or less. Or unfortunately, I'm sorry, this one's not for you. We'll have yes. to wait for the open season. This is normally the point where I go, oh, I'd love to do that. But I'm not going to say that at this point. But what I am going to say is I know there's certain people listening that are going to love this, Andy Delderfield, that might be yeah, seriously interested in, in joining you because not only are you a great guy, and I love this concept, an idea with someone that have known each other for so long. I just really am thrilled about the opportunity for people to get together again in the real world and test themselves at this elite level. I just think it's a really, really cool That was thing. the bit of the community that struck me initially when we did the alcohol free yeah, stuff together, right? Exactly. And it was actually, it was coming and seeing those ladies and gents at those events. And some people didn't even come to do the Spartans. They just yeah. came to hang out and support others. And actually we just created a good friendship um and that's what kept most people going alcohol free and so it was that momentum so i think when covid hit the challenge was that you didn't get to go and see those people and people struggled and that was a real real challenge for people and i think that's i I just want to bring people together again and and try and try and have a focus on that yeah Uh, i'm so with you you are the you are the uh, average of the five people you spend most time with right so i'm consistently trying to surround myself with at least 20 or 30 good eggs you know yeah exactly and that's you know now you're being proactive about creating that and this is something that i'm really interested in as well i want to be proactive about i think it needs people like yourself and myself and all the other people out there trying to do these things that actually become the sort of beacons of connection in some ways whether that's in the alcohol free space or whether that's in the spartan space whether that's in uh the the nomadic tribe is that what it's called the nomadic trials the nomadic trials yeah i think that's just going to be a huge huge opportunity for people to stretch themselves and connect genuinely i think that bit the community bit and the connection bit is as powerful if not more than the actual adventure itself um and i think oh definitely i mean we'll have my we'll give everyone as well free group yoga so my wife is a yoga instructor specialist in nutrition she's got a master's in this kind of thing so we've she wants to do all the food for the event and keep it all kind of like plant based high energy, nice stuff. And this kind of thing. So it's kind of a nice mix of mix of people involved to bring different things to the plate, just to kind of create this holistic experience. Really. Absolutely brilliant. And if people want to get in touch with you as an individual, what's the best thing to do? Best thing to do is just email me Thomas at myholeself.co.uk. Love it. Thomas, it's been a pleasure. We will get back together. What about we get back together on the back end of the nomadic trials so maybe in august and have a little catch up as to how it went 
and, and a bit of a download. I think that'd be a really cool thing to do. No, I'd love to do that. Sounds good. Appreciate Thanks. your time. Top work. Thanks, my man. Good to see you, my friends. All right, have a good day. I hope you enjoyed this episode and to show the podcast some love, please subscribe and download. And if you could tell just one more person about the podcast, that would be amazing. And don't forget, I'm live every single weekday around 7am on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to come and interact live, ask me questions, I'll be sharing my best wisdom at 7am every weekday live, Facebook and Instagram at Andy Ramage Official. And also don't forget, if you want to train with me to become a world-class coach, go to andyramage.com courses. And if you want to train with me to develop yourself, also check out the courses. It's all there, andyramage.com. Also, when you go to andyramage.com, you can sign up to my newsletter there, get all the updates on the latest and greatest courses, get my weekly roundup of things that you might find inspirational, aspirational and motivational. In my weekly newsletter, you can sign up at andyramage.com. Finally, thank you, Matt McCormick, for producing the show. All right, hopefully I'll see you back here very soon. Let's do this. Let's do this.